The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Jesus. We are in the final days of Elijah. We are entering that great tribulation. Full speed toward the great and terrible day of the Lord. Recognize that your heart will pursue that which you most love. Your heart will pursue that which you most love. And it is coming into the final testing time for every man and every woman, for every boy and every girl, to determine what is in our hearts. We are in that transition time from human government and human wickedness into the kingdom of the Almighty God. That's what the tribulation is all about the Lord bringing his wrath down on the wickedness of the human enterprise and saying, enough, it's over, and ushering in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, the kingdom of Jesus is already on the earth in the hearts of men and women who have sold out to Jesus. You need Jesus now. Will you seek him with all of your heart? Will you seek Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength? It will take that if you are going to successfully navigate your way through this tumultuous time of the great tribulation. We're going to see things that will cause us to shudder and shake. We need to prepare. And the way we prepare is by obeying what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. He is the one who prepares us and carries us through this final great seven-year conflict. It's Jesus. It's not the news. It's not the politicians. It's not the bias to normalcy. It is going to be only Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit who can carry us through this great tribulation until our feet touch that far shore and we enter into Cana land. Now I'd like to read two passages of scripture for you. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. My only desire is that you should come to Jesus now, that you should lay aside everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil 
and seek Jesus and be carried by him in righteousness and holiness, no longer giving the members of your body to the works of bitterness and anger, lust, darkness. But let love rule your heart. Let compassion and mercy rule your heart. I'm glad you're listening today. I pray this will be helpful to you. You're welcome to leave comments at the YouTube, or you're welcome to go right now in live chat and share your thoughts. Others will read them, and what you say will encourage others. Right now, we need much encouragement to seek Jesus with all of our hearts. Everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil is reaching out with clutching hands to tear us away from Jesus. I will not be torn away from the one I love. And I love Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I love my Father who is in heaven, our Father. And I love the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Comforter. Because I love my God, because I love Jesus, my heart leads me to him. Does yours? I want to read for you John, the 12th chapter. This is just before the crucifixion of Jesus. There were some Greeks who came to the feast. And they wanted to see Jesus. So they approached Philip. And Philip went to Andrew. And Andrew and Philip together went to see Jesus to tell him that these Gentiles wanted some time to talk with him. Jesus astonished them by his reply. It's found in John 12. I'll begin reading in verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life or is indifferent to his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. But others said, No, an angel has spoken to him. 
Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Now please understand, Jesus was speaking about his crucifixion, but the same is now true also. We are in the final hour. And unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it yields only a single seed. Some of you have never won a person to Jesus Christ. You are still a single seed. Why? Because you have refused to finish dying in Jesus Christ. And so the power of the Spirit, as we know it from Pentecost, you have not received. Oh, you have a partial presence of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, sealing you for the great day. But that doesn't mean you're saved. There is another work that has to be done in you. It is a baptism of power where you give up your life, where you die. We need to talk about this for a minute. It's not an easy thing for a man to die. That is, die to his self-life. There is suffering involved in dying to our self-life even as there was suffering in Jesus dying on that cross. Romans 6 says we must be crucified with Christ. Paul said he was crucified with Christ, that he no longer lived, and yet he did with Christ dwelling in him. It was a new life, something that had never existed before. Let me ask you the the question what does your heart love do you love the video games do you love your entertainment the world the flesh the redskins the baseball do you love the things of this world is that where your attention is focused, some of you are so focused on money. One man who says he is a Christian, I spoke with him at length. We sat together in a park just recently. And he said, Pastor, I get up every morning. I'm here in this park at 5 a.m. And I spend the next three hours diligently with my computer and my and my pen, carefully looking at my business model and carefully looking at my progress in sales for my company. And he said, my interest, and I spend three hours every morning evaluating, strategizing, looking at how I can improve the bottom line because I know one day I will be extremely wealthy. I said, what if you gain the whole world? 
but you lose your soul. Oh, pastor, I'm not going to lose my soul. I said, what a man's heart desires. That's where his treasure is. Your treasure is in your business. And you think after you are successful and you've made a million dollars plus, then you'll have time for Jesus. Let me tell you, you'll never have time for Jesus any more than you have it right now. But you see, we get occupied and, and we're working and we're going to school and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're concerned for our family and we're taking care of business. No time to sit before Jesus and seek his face. Do you know how quickly life goes by? And then suddenly, we're at the end. And we've spent our whole life on worldly pursuits and worldly concerns. And your heart is devoid of the presence of Almighty God. You had inclinations here and there. You sought Jesus here and there. But there was never that consistent, steady walking with Jesus. There's another passage of scripture. I want to read it to you. It's found in Romans, the seventh chapter. The context is a man who knows the law. And he knows that the law says that when he marries a woman, she is bound to him as long as she lives or he lives. And if they divorce and she marries another person, she is, according to the law, an adulteress. But if the husband dies and she marries another man, the law says she is not an adulteress. Now, Paul uses this example in Romans 7, verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another. To him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. If you're not bearing fruit to God, if you're not seeing the lost saved because of your ministry because of your witness, because of the way you live your life and what your interests are, because of your conversation with people. If you're not seeing that victory, it's because you've not yet died. You need to die. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law, they were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. God's grace does not cover our sin, ever. 
it is God's way of dealing with our sin outside of the law. When we receive Jesus Christ and we are crucified with him, the grace of God moves over our life and teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace is what instructs us. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. There's no reason why God should save you. All men are condemned to die. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, we could not enter into life. But now, when we die to our sin, we're no longer controlled by it. The sinful passions are no longer working against us in our hearts and in our lives. What once bound us, the sin that once bound us, the law that once bound us and condemned us, it no longer condemns. Because in Christ, we died. Now, I'd like to share with you some thoughts from a book entitled Revivals, Holy Spirit Revivals. Charles Finney, I want to share this with you as a very specific example of what you and I must do if we are going to receive the power of the Holy Ghost to live a holy life and to bear witness and testimony that others also could be brought into the sphere of Jesus Christ. After his conversion, and that was an amazing conversion brought about by the Holy Spirit. Let me read what he writes about his his life after he's converted. I'd been in the habit of rising early in the morning and spending time of prayer alone in the church. And I finally succeeded in interesting, in interesting a number of other believers to meet there in the morning with me for prayer. This was at a very early hour. We were generally together long before it was light enough to see the road. I, I persuaded Pastor Gale to attend these early morning prayer meetings. But soon they began to be remiss, and so I would get up in time to go around to their houses and wake them up. Many times I gathered up those I thought would be most likely to attend, and we would have a, a precious time of prayer. But still they attended with more and more reluctance, a fact that greatly distressed me. I want to stop a moment. I understand what he's saying. There is in me a burning fire to seek after Jesus. And so I was up early this morning 
and I've spent all of this morning in the presence of Jesus, reading the word, praying, seeking his face, enjoying his presence. Now, some of you say, but pastor, we have to go to work. I know. You chose that. But you and I have the same amount of time every day. Now, the question is, how will you spend your time? Will you spend your time in the pursuit of what your heart loves? My heart loves Jesus. So I'm going to spend every moment I have, and he has graced me with time to seek his face, and I am so I am so pleased and so excited that God has granted me time to seek his face. Let's be honest. You don't spend all day working, and if you do, you're demonstrating what your heart loves. Money and work. You have the evening free. Are you going to sit down in front of your computer? Are you going to sit down and watch a movie? Are you going to look at the news all evening? Are you going to play video games? Are you going to watch football or baseball or basketball? What are you going to do with your time? And I find, much to my sadness and my chagrin, is that most people don't want to spend very much time simply being in the presence of Jesus. How are you going to spend eternity with Jesus when you can't stand to spend two or three hours with him now? Oh, pastor, I'm just too tired. We'll get up earlier. I know some men who get up at 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, so they can spend time with Jesus before they take on their daily duties to provide for their families. Now, did you hear what I just said? So they can provide for their families. For me, Jesus is the provider for my family. And he will be the provider for you, provided... You seek Jesus with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. And you're clear that you want him. You want Jesus. Now I'll go on. One morning, I'd been to many of the houses to gather the men, and when I returned to the church, only a few of them came. Pastor Gale was standing at the door of the church, and the day was just beginning to dawn. All at once, a light perfectly indescribable shone in my soul and almost prostrated me to the ground. In this light, it seemed as if I could see that all nature praised and worshipped God except man. This light seemed to be like the brightness of the sun in every direction. It was too intense for the eyes. I recall looking down 
and breaking into a flood of tears in view of the fact that man did not praise God. I think I then knew, at least in part, of the light that prostrated Paul on his way to Damascus. It was surely a light. I could not have long endured it. I burst out in the loud weeping. Pastor Gale said, What's the matter, Brother Finney? I could not tell him. I found that he had not seen the light and that he saw no reason why I should be in such a state of mind. I therefore said very little. I believe I merely replied that I saw the glory of God and that I could not endure to think of the manner in which he was treated by men. Indeed, it did not seem to me at the time that this vision of his glory was to be described in words. I continued to weep, and the vision, if it may be so called, passed away and left my mind calm. You begin to have these kinds of experiences when you seek God with all your heart. He comes and visits you. You see his glory. Have you seen the glory of God? Have you sought him with all of your heart? Are you hungry for Jesus? Do you want more of Jesus? Or is your mind distracted by the world? by the flesh, by the devil? Do you have a, a full agenda and you have to take care of all this business and you have to run these errands and you have to take your kids here and there and you have to do this and that? You have no time to seek after Jesus. Stop. Say enough. Enough. My eternal destiny and the destiny of my family hangs in the balance with what I will choose to do in my relationship with Jesus Christ. He writes, when I was a young Christian, I would have many times of communing with God that cannot be described in words. Very often those Times would end in an impression on my mind like this. See that you tell no one but go your way. I didn't understand this at the time, and several times I paid no attention to this injunction, but tried to tell my fellow Christians what the Lord had said to me, or rather what seasons of communion I'd had with him. But I soon found that it was not any good to tell my fellow men what was passing between the Lord and my soul. They couldn't understand it. They would look surprised, and sometimes I thought they were incredulous. I soon learned to keep quiet in regard to those divine manifestations and to say very little about them. I used to spend a great deal of time in prayer, sometimes literally praying without ceasing. I also found it very profitable and, and very much inclined to hold frequent days of private fasting. On those days, I would seek to be entirely alone with God. Sometimes I would pursue a wrong course in fasting, attempting to examine myself according to the ideas then entertained by my pastor and the church. I would try to look into my own heart and would turn my attention particularly to my motives 
and the state of my mind. When I pursued this course, I invariably found that the day would end without any perceptible advances. Afterward, I saw clearly why this was so. I was turning my attention from the Lord Jesus Christ and looking into myself. And whenever I let the Spirit take his own course with me and let him lead and instruct me, I always found it useful in the highest degree. I found I could not live without enjoying the presence of God. I could not rest, study, or attend anything with the least satisfaction or benefit unless the way was clear by my, between my soul and God. And I have a question, please. Is everything clear between your soul and God's? I can honestly tell you, this morning everything is clear between my soul and God. And I rejoice in that. His presence is so precious. It's so near. I've turned off the world's entertainment. I've turned off almost all media. I get in the car and I don't turn the music on. I get in the car and I don't turn the radio on. I don't want any entertainment to block my communion with Jesus. And I want to, I want to lift this up for your consideration, that it is not profitable to spend time trying to examine your feelings and trying to examine your own heart. Let the Holy Spirit do that work. You keep your eyes upon Jesus. Seek his face. Read the word. Pray. Wait upon him. This morning I went into the prayer closet. I don't know if I should tell you this. I went into the prayer closet. I said, Lord, I just come this morning to wait on you. As a servant waits on his master. I don't have an agenda, Jesus. I've just come to wait upon you. Like Moses sitting on the mountaintop for a week, just waiting on you. If you want me to study something, if you want me to to do something, please just lead me to that. And he began to he began to minister to my heart. He began to flow with healing in my heart. Things that had been painful to me. I felt him beginning to repair those broken places and those cracks that yet remain. You know, I have to tell you, I am, I am utterly disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed by all the time I've wasted. I'm disappointed by how easily I've been distracted from searching after Jesus and it was such a pleasure to sit in his presence and just let him minister to my brokenness.
He was gentle. He was kind. I waited on him. And finally, it was time to begin to prepare for the broadcast today. I said, Lord, what would you have me say today? And he began to lay out for me exactly what he wanted for this broadcast. Do you understand? Jesus loves you. And he's calling you to come out of your sin. He's calling you to turn your eyes away from everything in this world that would distract you from preparing your heart for this great tribulation that is before us. He had me make some text messages to some businessmen that I need help from for securing certain food items that I know will be necessary for the church in the coming months ahead. And they responded very positively. I know it wasn't me, it was Jesus. I listened to what he told me to do. I did it. And it's in his hands. Do you understand what I'm saying? As you set apart a day for private fasting, what do I mean private fasting? Where you don't tell anybody you're fasting. Where you're not going to be absorbed in the activities of the world. Where you're not going to be focused on earning money. You're going to simply come into the presence of Jesus and you're going to wait upon him as a servant waiting on a master. And you're going to ask Jesus to heal your heart. You're going to pray the prayers he asks you to pray. Let me share this. The Lord taught me, this is Charles Finney, in those early days of my Christian experience, many very important truths in regard to the spirit of prayer. Not long after I was converted, a woman with whom I was, I once boarded became very sick. She was not a Christian, but her husband, he was a Christian. He came into my office one evening and he said to me, my wife cannot live through the night. A sense of burden came upon me, the nature of which I could not at all understand. With it came an intense desire to pray for this woman. The burden was so great that I left the office almost immediately and went to the church to pray for her, and there I struggled but could not say much. I could only groan, and with groanings, loud and deep. I stayed in the church a considerable time in this state. I got no relief. I returned to the office, but I couldn't sit still. I could only pace the room and agonize. I returned to the church again and went through the same process of struggling. For a long time, I tried to get my prayer before the Lord, but somehow words would not come out that would express my heart. I could only groan and weep without being able to express what I wanted to express in words. I returned to the office again and still found I was unable to rest. And I returned a third time to the church. 
At this time, the Lord gave me power to prevail. I was enabled to roll the burden upon him, and I obtained the assurance in my own mind that the woman would not die and that she would never die in her sins. Early the next morning, the husband of this woman came into the office. I inquired how his wife was. Smiling, he said, "'She's alive, and to all appearance she's better this morning.' I replied, my brother, she will not die with this sickness. You can count on it, and she will never die in her sins. I don't know how I was made so sure of this, but it was in the same way made plain to me, so that I had no doubt she would recover. She did recover, and soon afterwards she obtained a hope in Jesus Christ. At first I didn't understand what this was all about. But shortly after, I related it to a Christian brother, and he said to me, Why, that was travail of your soul. A few minutes of conversation and pointing me to certain scriptures led me to understand what had happened. Now, please, we're almost out of time, but I want to say this to you. Some of you have never had travail of soul for another person because you would have come home and turned the television on or you would have come home and picked up a novel, or you would have come home and gone to your computer, and there would have been no opportunity for the Holy Spirit to begin to cause your heart to travail for the salvation of another person. This has to change. You must seek the Lord Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or you will be unfit to travail in prayer for the lost and the dying. It has to change. Soon after this, I had another experience. You'll remember that there was one young person who remained unconverted among those whom I was acquainted. She was naturally a charming young woman, enlightened on the subject of religion, but she continued in her sins. One of the elders of the church and I agreed to make her a daily subject of prayer, to continue to present her case at the throne of grace, morning, noon, and night, until she was converted, until she died, or until we were unable to keep our covenant. Though I remained greatly concerned for her soul, I soon found that my prayer partner was losing his spirit of prayer for her. But this did not discourage me. I continued to hold on with increasing power. I also availed myself of every opportunity to converse plainly and searchingly with her on the subject of her salvation. I want you to know those two go together talking with someone, asking questions about their relationship with God, and then crying out in the private prayer closet for their salvation. Very few will join you in that kind of intercession and prayer because that's not where the love of their heart is. So I have to come back again and ask, where is the love of your heart? Now, as it so happened, this young woman became a universalist. She turned against the gospel. 
But still the Spirit of God struggled within Charles Finney with groaning. And finally, she was converted and totally changed into the likeness of Jesus. Who are you praying for? Who's praying for you? I find most people are not much interested in prayer. Oh, they'll go through a little form. They'll say a few things, but there's no unction. There's no weeping. There's no passion. Because they don't love the things of Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. They don't love Jesus. In fact, you'll be shocked if I say this, but I need to. Many of you listening today have a hatred in your heart for Jesus. You only go so far. Only go so far as you think you need to to enter into salvation. But underneath all of that religion, there's still a disagreement between you and Jesus. Today I'm calling you to give up your disagreements with Jesus. Today I'm asking you, please come and search after Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's time to seek Jesus. You need Jesus now. You need to come into a place with Jesus where you will die to your sin, where you will give it up, where you will seek his face. You will not be distracted by anything in this world. You will not be distracted and busy with the life issues of this world, you will recognize that there truly is only one place you must be if you're going to survive the great tribulation we're entering, and that is in Jesus Christ. Now some of you are going to pray for revival, and you're going to pray for this You're going to pray for that, but there will be no unction, there will be no power, and there will be no tears. There will be no assurance in your heart that even your prayer was heard. Your prayer to you will bounce off the ceiling, and you've gone through your ritual, and you've done your duty, and you've prayed for the healing of our nation, and you've prayed for the president, and you've prayed for this, and you've prayed for that, but no unction, no power. That only comes with private, quiet time before Jesus where you seek him with all of your heart and you give up your life and you look to Jesus. That's the only way it's going to happen. Almighty God, I bring before your throne these precious ones who have some interest, some level of interest because they're listening to this broadcast. Lord, I'm asking that you would put such an urgency in the heart of every person listening, that you would put such an urgency and need in their spirit to seek to clear away every obstacle between your heart and theirs. That you would bring them into earnest confession 
and repentance. That they would not have a form of godliness, but no power. Oh, Jesus, I pray for your people today. I pray for your people today, Jesus. I ask you to come and minister to the need of every person listening to this broadcast. Lord, I put my trust in you. Would you come? Would you move among us? Lord, you see the brokenness. And that brokenness can only be healed by your divine Holy Spirit. Lord, come. Come and meet us. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Would you carefully read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 in preparation for next week? And I also want to invite you to listen tomorrow, but more than listen. Tomorrow's Friday, and it will be a day of prayer, of intercession, of touching the throne of grace. Would you join tomorrow, and would you prepare your heart now to pray, to seek his face for me, for us, for Washington, for our nation. What is the travail that Jesus has placed on your heart? What are you concerned about? What is the love of your heart, and where is it taking you? That'll be tomorrow, from 1 to 2 o'clock on this 780 AM, and also on the YouTube Thank you, each of you who is going on the YouTube and subscribing to the channel. It'll help us have even more people hear about it because Google will spread it further based on the number of subscribers we have. I also want to thank each one of you who has given this week. We've come to the almost the end of the month, and the bill is due soon. And I need to hear from you if Jesus is moving in your heart. And I thank each of you who has responded this month to the call of the Spirit. Some of you give regular tithe and some of you give offerings. I thank Jesus for each one of you. But I do need to hear from you. The bill will soon be due. It's a faith ministry. I stand by faith. And the Lord will provide. So go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Go up to the right-hand corner, and you can click on the Donate button. It's there for you right now. Now, I also want to invite you to write to me. 
And you'll find all of that information on the webpage. And you're welcome to write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Let me make sure I have the address right. I know it, but I have to look. It's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22191. I'm sorry, 22195. Thank you for listening. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.